0: Before we are um, wrapping up our time, getting a little prop here because I'm going to put up a timeline up here, just so that we know kind of where we've come from, what's going on. And um, if you'll remember, Paul is on his second missionary journey, right? When he was at Philippians. Uh, He was trying to get into Asia. You'll remember, he's on a second missionary journey. Twice he tried to get into Asia, and he was denied. He went on to uh, up to uh, right on the coast there, and he had a vision. Come over to Macedonia, and that's where he went to Philippi. We're going to put this up here so you'll kind of have an idea. This is where, when he was in Philippi, around AD, AD 25, okay? I mean, 52, excuse me, I'm dyslexic there, 52. Um, So we've got, he's in Philippi, and that's where he is reaching out to the women along the river there. They're in a prayer meeting, and he is, um, you know, sharing with them. There are people who come to faith. Eventually, he's in prison. We know what happens there, right? He is, there's an earthquake. Things get shaken up. The guard sees that the doors are open. He's wondering, oh, no, these guys are gone and but the jailer when he sees that Paul is there, he and his family come to faith. And so a church is started here in Philippi and then after a period of time, he moves on to Corinth. You're going to know why we're going to deal with Corinth here in a little bit. He is in the same about the same time period. Whoops. He's in Corinth there and He's actually writing to the Corinthians. We're going to look at Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 here in a little bit. Corinthians, he he actually wrote a little further down the road, about five years later. He's actually in Philippi again on the third missionary journey. And he's writing to the church of Corinth. And you'll see what I'm getting at here in a little bit when we're referring to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. But he's actually writing... The Philippians here, 10 years after he was in Philippi, he's imprisoned in Rome. And so it's like 10 years afterwards, he's writing to the Philippians. What we're reading here is when Paul is there. And today, when we look at this text, we're going to see that he is actually making some references back here. When we look at Corinthians, we're going to see that Paul is making some reference. That's why I want to have this up here for you guys to see. As we go through this, so read with me Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 14 and we're going to go to the end. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Father, as we look into your word... I pray that you would help us see your, not only your plans and visions and your dreams and your desires for us and and, and all that, but Father, even how we can join in with that. How we can participate in your dreams and visions, your desires for the nations and all of that, Father. I pray that you would speak to our hearts And help us know, not only as a church or an association, but, Father, as individuals living in homes, in neighborhoods, in communities, in this place and around the surrounding area, help us know how we can do what you would want us to do, the desires of your heart, in the places you have planted us. We are grateful, Father, for your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There are three things I want us to look at. And the first one is actually going to be, in the first few verses there, Paul, when he is writing to the Philippians, he says this. Verse 14, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, you remember he's back here, All right, he's over there writing the letter. Do you remember back here at the first preaching of the gospel? All right, so he's bringing them back to a place back there. The first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. And we're going to put this little yellow sticky note, you can't see it, we're going to stick it right there. That's when he was in Thessalonica. All right, He was in Thessalonica a little short time. If you look at Philippi up there on the map, he left there, and he actually went down. He stayed the night in a couple of cities, and then he made it to Thessalonica. He stayed there a period of time, went on to Berea, and ended up in Corinth eventually. And so we're just going to stick this up here so that we can know. But Paul is saying, back here, guys, you began, as I left here and went here and stopped in Thessalonica, even there, twice, you sent gifts to me. And what I want us to see out of this, and I, and I want us to grasp this, that at the very beginning of this church, they were intentional about giving. They were intentional. It was something that was sown into their DNA knowing that not only are we supposed to learn stuff, not only are we supposed to act like a certain way, and not only are we supposed to allow Christ to dwell in us and we to abide in Christ and all of those things, not only are we supposed to do those things, but everything about us is about what we do for Christ. And that includes the finances. And so he is saying here, guys, do you remember back there, man, from the very beginning, you started supporting what I was doing, even in Thessalonica, And he's just reminding them about that. Excuse me. As a matter of fact, if we look in Philippians, the, the verses that Kyle touched on last week, he says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last, now he's talking about when he's here in prison, that now at last you have revived your concerns for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. So he's here He's writing them, reminding them, man, you guys did awesome back there. You started supporting me. And now I am so glad you have revived your concerns for me. You might have lacked opportunities. Somewhere in here, he wasn't receiving possibly what he, they were trying to They wanted to send him something. They wanted to send. Hear what he said? He you revived your concerns for me. Even though you were concerned for me, you lacked opportunities. Something was keeping them from giving to Paul from supporting Paul here, in between here and here. But he was giving they, back here. They gave. They supported. And somewhere in here, and it possibly, honestly, here he's writing in the third missionary journey, and, he, and he's writing to the church in Corinth from Philippi. And after here, if you'll remember, he's going to Jerusalem, and it's there that he gets arrested. It's there that he's, you know, he, had, he calls on uh, to be sent to Rome, and he goes to Rome, and it's there that he is found imprisoned in Rome at that time. And he is, and, and if there's a, it's not like they had email, right? It's not like they had social media, all this. Uh, you know, Insta Chat and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. I know I, I said that wrong. But, you know, all of it, it's not like he could say, hey, I'm here in Thessalonica. I'm here in Berea. Wow, we're seeing God move. Man, I'm down here in Achaia and Athens and things are rocking and rolling. Man, I'm over here in Corinth and you can't believe what's going on. The only way people found out if there were runners going back and forth is, I mean, we're talking days of travel that they were having to deal with. So there is a, there's a chance that as he, was, as he was going back to take the gift that we'll find out more about in 2 Corinthians, as he's taking the gift back to Jerusalem, as he is arrested, as he is tried, as he is sent to Rome, there's a chance they, they, lost, they might have lost track of this guy. We don't know that. We don't know what happened there. All I know is that Paul is saying, I know you were concerned for me. I am so thankful that you have revived your concern for me, and, but you lacked opportunity. But I am so glad that now, you have found me, that you are supporting me. He's because they're talking about the gift that Epaphroditus brought to him while he was there. All right? So listen, they were intentional about getting. And, and, and just, you're going to hold your finger here. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to look at, we're gonna, we're gonna look at a, a, a several verses uh, as we go through this sermon. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at verse 4. Here, Paul is right here. He's in Philippi on the third missionary journey. or He's somewhere in Macedonia. We're assuming he's in Philippi. But he's in Macedonia somewhere, and he's writing a second letter to the Corinthians. And and, and and he's talking about the Macedonians and how they are giving to the saints, how they are supporting the saints and and all this. And in verse 4, he says, "...begging us with much urging for the favor of participating in the support of the saints." They were begging to support. They were begging to give their money. Think about that. They were, and, and, and Kyle rightly said, man, they weren't a rich church. They weren't well off. They struggled. We'll see a little bit of that later. But they were begging for the opportunity to participate in this offering to help the saints. They were intentional about it. In their minds, they were, they, they were looking at this and saying, man, we want to give from the beginning. We want to support this guy. We want to help him out with his, where he is in his ministry. And we're going to continue to do this. And somewhere along the line, lost the path. But while he was here, he said, man, back there, y'all supported me. Somewhere along the way, lost track of it. But now you have revived your concern for me. And he is thanking them for that. They were Intentional about wanting to help support Paul in his ministry. They were intentional in giving. The second thing I want us to see here out of this passage is that they were fruitful in their giving. Now, this is not, we're, we're going to see, this is not, I, I am not saying that, uh, that, that, like some guys say, that if you give to this, you're going to get back. You give me, You give me some money, God's going to bless you with some money. God might do that. I'm not going to say he's not going to. God can do what God wants to do. I'm not making any promises for God. All right? God can do what... I have seen where people have been blessed in their business. I have seen where people have been blessed in legal dealings. I have seen where something has happened as as they have not just their giving, but, but honestly with their whole lives that they have surrendered and submitted to God and that that has happened. But I don't believe that's what it's talking about here in verse... In, in chapter 4 verse 17 when it says, Paul says here, not that, or, or I, actually listen to what Paul says, not that I seek the gift itself. Remember, he's thanking them for the gift. He's saying, man, I appreciate you guys giving to me. I, I appreciate, even since Thessalonica and you revived your concern for me and I got this gift now, but he's saying, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the prophet, or that word literally means fruit. I, accept, I, I, I seek the fruit which increases to your account. Well, what do you think Paul means by that? He's saying it's not about the money. What do you think he's talking about the fruit that increases to your account? He's he's telling the Philippians, he's going, man, you guys have have given to me and all that. And man, I appreciate that. But you know what's more important? I don't even seek that as much as I seek the fruit that's going to come your way. I don't, that is what Paul is emphasizing here is this this fruit. And And again, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 there. Let's look at what he says in the first couple of verses here. The first two verses in chapter 8, 2 Corinthians. Now brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given to the churches in Macedonia. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality, or some of your translations might use the word for liberality, generosity. He starts off by saying that we wish to make known to you the grace of God which exists among the churches in Macedonia. This grace of God that allows them to give. But listen, look at what it says who were there coming? Great ordeal of affliction. Their deep poverty overflowed in their wealth of generosity. Well, what do you think made that happen? Because in all honesty, when people don't have something, why would they give what they do have away? When they're, when they're struggling in their finances, when they're struggling with their time, when they're struggling, they, don't, they just don't have time to sit and do something for someone or to get up and go somewhere and do something for someone. When they, when, when all of, what makes them give up their time, give up their money, give up their talent, and all those things? What makes them give all that stuff up? I believe it's this verse right here, right in the middle of the verse two there. Look at what it says. That in the great ordeal of affliction, in the abundance of joy, you see that word, that, that phrase in there? They are afflicted, they have an abundance of joy, and their deep poverty overflowed in their generosity. What did we find out about joy a few weeks back? If you'll remember, we, talk, we looked at, you know, when. Jesus is talking to the disciples in John chapter 15. And he says in verse 11, These things I write to you that my joy may be be in you and that your joy may be full. John chapter 15 verse 11. These things I say to you that my joy might be in you and your joy might be made full. What he's talking about there, you go back a few verses and you start seeing what are these things that he's writing. These things I say to you. What are these things? Abide in me and I will abide in you. Abide in me and my love will abide in you. Abide in me and my word will abide in you. There's all these abiding and all this stuff going on in the verses beforehand is talking about you abide in me, you will abide in my love. Well, if you have Christ's love, What is your focus? What is your desires? If we have Christ's love full in us, if we we are abiding in him and he is abiding in us and his love is abiding in us and his word is abiding in us, are we thinking about ourselves as much? No. Christ came here and he's, what did he say? He said, I did not come to be served, I come to serve. Christ came and died so that mankind might be able to live forever in his presence The joy that we receive, knowing that and living that way and not being concerned about those things, that is what, that is what creates in us his joy and his joy to the fullest. Is when we are not abiding in what we want, abiding in what I desire, abiding in what when, when, my, when my dreams and my goals and my things are, are, are contrary to what God wants, we don't experience that joy. We grasp on to most things that, are, that make us happy. We talk about this when we, when, we, when we share the gospel with people and we talk about how in, in, in this world it's broken, it's messed up. But that was not God's design, right? God's design was not a broken, messed up world. We, if you read the newspapers, you see how broken the world is. You, you work in your jobs, you walk the streets, and we see how messed up and broken the world is. But that was not God's design. His design was that man would live in harmony and love for each with each other, with him, with his creation. That was his design. But man decided, eh, we don't want to do it your way, God. We want to do it our way. And we can say, hey, Eve, you messed up. But honestly, we are all guilty. We all live that way. We make decisions that we want to benefit from and not... That God is going to somehow, some way bring glory to God. Listen, don't, don't hear me coming down heavy on you, friends, because this week and the last two weeks when I've been going over this message, God has been like slapping me right and left in my office. This is about all of us. This is not, just, this is not me coming down. Please don't hear me say that because, man, I stand up here and I am, I am messed up and broken in God's eyes, except for the fact, except for the fact that God provided a way out. When, when, sin dev- when that idea... That keeps us from experiencing his desire for us. God saw that and he said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to work this out. And so what he did was he sent Jesus Christ to this planet. And Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. And Jesus Christ died for our sins. And Jesus Christ was buried. And God raised him three days later. And he conquered sin and death. And the scriptures tell us that all we have to do in that instance, all we have to do is believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. This is what Scripture tells us. Believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead and confess with our mouth that He is Lord. What does that mean, He is Lord? That doesn't mean we get to pick and choose. He is Lord over our lives 24-7, 365, from here on out. He is Lord. And listen, there will be a day when every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Every person will confess that He is Lord. But it might be too late at that time. That is, the, that is the brokenness that we want to get away from and embrace what God has for us. And only as we fully submit and fully surrender to what He has for us can we experience the fullness of His joy. And when we are experiencing the fullness of His joy, we are able to, even in, if, we, if we have ordeal of afflictions, or in a deep poverty, we are able to give. And so Paul here is, in Philippi is writing 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth and saying, Man, look at what these guys in Macedonia are doing. They are broke. They are poor. They're going through a terrible thing. But boy, they are giving. And two, we saw two verses later, they are begging us to give. Fruitful giving. Look over. Look look, look over also in Second Corinthians chapter nine. Just flip one um one page over. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse twelve. We're going to read a couple of a uh, few verses here because I want you to see again. He says, "For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints." Okay, I want you to hear this. It's not only su- fully supplying the needs of the saints. This this money we're taking that is supplying the needs of the saints. This ministry is not just about this. But it is overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. There is going to be, because of this gift, there's going to be many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God. For your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for the generosity of your contribution to them and all, while they also by prayer on your behalf. Listen, these... He's saying that this this money, it's not just about the money. But when we do give, people are praying for you. These people are thanking God for you. These people are on their knees for you. And and, and and he's saying here that that, they will glorify God because of your obedience. Is that not worth? Is that not worth going to Burger King once a week? Is that not worth kind of lowering our lifestyle maybe a little bit so that we can have some extra money to give towards a ministry that might be reaching people and engaging people with the gospel, especially around this world? Will it not be worth it if we just kind of set aside? I'm not saying totally get rid of that stuff. Don't hear me say that. I love to eat out. I love to You can just look at me. I love to eat. And so, so I, 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 I don't... I'm not saying give it all up. What I'm saying is that we need to, as we look at how we handle the money that the Father has blessed us with, how can we use that in moving forward and helping others with what God, not just our money, but our lives. With how how we're gifted. Yesterday, we heard one of our missionaries, Dorothea, uh, she has a unique gift of being able to help different cultures develop music in their own style, worship music in their own. She's an ethnomusicologist. And a, you know, once you get past three syllables, I'm lost. But she was able to kind of talk, break it down and talk. Basically, it's to it's the study of helping cultures find their music, find their... Pra- it's, it's like we hear the term heart language a lot. And she uses, I think it's the word heart music. Is that, is that what was she said yesterday, Barbie? Heart music. And listen, every culture has that... Has a rhythm has a a a way of expressing themselves and she is uniquely gifted to sit down with the I can't believe me. I can't do that But I have experienced that when I have been in Morocco and sat under a tree and heard these guys sing songs That they learned from a previous person a, a hymn that was translated and they sing that song and you can tell it has no real meaning to them. It, they're singing the song and they're really, I mean, they're, they're trying to praise God and they are praising God and all that. But once they start singing a song that was written by an Egyptian in an Arab kind of culture, when they start singing Enta Avimun, you will see passion, yearning, emotion. You will start seeing, and, and I'm telling you, at first I was going, I don't even know, I, I, I understand what they're saying, I don't get it. Because if I seen, I have decided to follow Jesus in Arabic, it means, still means something to me. But when I sing Enta Adimun, which is you are worthy, I'm going, okay, I hear the words and all that, but it doesn't matter. But the more I spent time with them and started becoming more aware of what, how they worship and how they do, I actually, when I sing that song now, can be brought to tears because I have experienced it in a context. If I did that for you, you'd be going, man, it sounds all Greek to me. But I would be moved to tears because there's an understanding there. So I've experienced it. I don't know how to get them there. There are people who are gifted in different ways. How can we use those gifts beyond just putting food on the table, a roof over our head, and putting clothes on our back? How can we do more than that? Because God is not interested in us just living a life and existing on this planet. We are to draw the attention of many to his greatness. And so this fruitful giving that we're talking about, the second area here is not about fruitful giving. How, I'm going to give so that I can get something from it. No, it's I'm going to give so that we can expand the kingdom of God in all sorts of directions. That is the fruit Paul's talking about here. As a matter of fact, when he writes to Rome... When he writes to Rome, he actually says, I hope, in chapter 1, I hope to come to you so that I might have some fruit. I might preach the gospel and have some fruit from among you. What do you think he's talking about? A banana? No, he's talking about, well, he wants to see lives changed, transformed, become Christ followers. That's what he's talking about. And so he's using that word fruit in the same way. And so here, Paul, when he's talking about these things, he's talking about non-monetized things. It's prayer, it's thanksgiving, it's glory to God. It's those kinds of things are the fruit that we should desire. Not, hey God, I'm going to get my money back. Hey God, man, I couldn't go on this vacation because I, I gave a little extra to you. Now, you going to help me go to Disneyland maybe next year? you going to help me go to... You know, I I ain't been to New Zealand yet, sure would love to go fly fishing in New Zealand. God, you going to help a brother out here? It's not about that. That does not draw attention to the Father. That draws attention to David Hutton, to me, to my needs. And so we have intentional giving. The the church in Philippians, they were intentionally giving. The church in Philippians, they were fruitful fruitful about it. And and let me just show you one more thing. Matter of fact, we're going to skip a verse down here in Philippians chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to come back to it in verse um, 18. But look down at verse 19. Because just like last week, we saw the verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This verse is many times taken out of context as well. And it says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs. And that's where people's brains tend to stop. Especially people who are all into the name it, claim it, or the prosperity gospel or you know those kinds of things they stop right there and they just say you know God will supply your needs and listen God will supply your needs it's just not in the way a lot of people are thinking my needs are money friends all you got to do is travel around this world our need is not money our need is not money first and foremost our need is Jesus Christ Without that, you can be a billionaire, you can whatever, and you will not experience. Because I, I don't know how many rich people I've talked to, they always talk about wanting to get more, wanting to get more, wanting to get more. But it's those rich people that, there was, there was a man recently in Nacogdoches, Texas who passed away. You would know it, but the, I mean, this guy walked around in overalls and all that. This guy was a millionaire. And he was giving money. He was supporting things. He was. He had a cabin that he let people stay in. All the times our family was blessed with that once, we just stayed out there and enjoyed it when we were stateside. And 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 this man was one just recently passed away. And I, all I think about of that man is he was. Just, he was seemed like he was always looking to give of himself. How do I? You know. When Shannon and I got married, he sat back there in the back row with his grandma. So, cause Shannon's grandma was known to kind of maybe say a few things, you know, out loud. Not nothing bad, just kind of get loud and all that. And so they were concerned. He said She was great. She was wonderful. She's a sweet lady. But he sat back there with her, just held her hand, and she was... Uh, it, he, he, he always looked for opportunities like that, giving of himself. And the man still had money. I'm not going to say he didn't, but man he was more concerned about that than he was about his money because he just looked at his money as a way to bless others, how to, how to help others. But he says here, my God will supply our according to... We can't, you can't just leave out according to his riches and glory. You can't leave that part of it out because if you were to do a study on that phrase alone, you won't find that, but in a couple of more places in that, that, similar to that phrase, just a few times in the scriptures and there are two times in Ephesians and and if you don't mind just kind of turning back to Ephesians in chapter uh, 3 I want to read something with I want you to read it with me starting in 16 He said that he would grant you listen according to his riches the riches of his glory Okay, hear that? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now read what follows. You, don't, you won't hear anything about money coming back at you according to the riches of his glory. Look at what it says here. To be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, And and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all fullness of God. That is according to the riches of his glory. And so when he says supply all your needs, honestly, when I look at that, and you can look over into chapter 1. We can briefly look in Ephesians chapter 1 there, uh, looking at starting in verse 18. If you want, I'll just... I'll just read this to you. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance. That's that's a similar phrase in the saints. And what is surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. And he just goes on there talking about, it sounds very similar The strength of his might. It's all about, Again, when Jesus said, if you want the fullness of me, abide in me, abide in my word, abide in my love. And if we do that, then we are able to obey him no matter what he calls us to do, no matter what he challenges us to do. And even if it is this area of giving to support ministry, to support the church, to support whatever, whatever this area is, even if it is that we are able to do something. Friends, that's the fruit we should be striving for. That we will be strengthened, that we will be filled, that we will experience the joy of Christ. Those are the fruits that we need to be striving for. So the first thing is intentional giving. The second thing is fruitful giving. He was commending them for their fruitful giving, but he's also commending them for their sacrificial giving. Look at verse 18 in Philippians chapter 4. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He is talking about they have sacrificed to give to God. Now, as I, over the years, as, as I have looked at you know when it, when it talks about the sacrificing of money i get where they're coming from but i think here here's here's where it has helped me more this is where it has helped me more when i have dealt with this issue of finances in my life and it's not about what do i give because listen there was a time in my life this was me if i found money in the sheet, in, in the sofa cushions you know i might give that to the church if i had a little left over at the end of the month i might give that to the church uh, if, if there was a special offering, and I looked in my wallet and I had a five and a couple of singles there, I'd give a couple of singles to the church because that five dollars might get me a, a, a meal at Pipe Ice Chicken or something. You know, I just—that I, I, was just when I was in college. That was what I was all about. And then we were challenged, and the pastor just basically talked about not how much money do we have to give, but how do we live our life in such a way that we can give more. And he challenged us, just test it, just try it, make smart decisions, make decisions based on scripture in your life as you walk with God. And what I found that as I started accepting that challenge, and at that time I just took the challenge, I'm going to tithe what Now I was a college student, and I was working at the school auditorium doing audiovisual stuff and all that. I wasn't making a ton of money, but, I, but, but, but I, I took the challenge, and I was thinking, man, I'm going to do this for a month or two, but boy, I'm not going to have any money in the bank when it comes, comes time to, you know, whatever we need to do, and I tithed. I started tithing, and it was amazing how in that time, and not, I can't explain it to you. I was not running out of money in the week. But what I found out, the only way I can explain it to you is I started making smarter decisions in my life. Because you know how it is when you're single, especially, I mean, I was single until I was, you know, in my early 30s. Man, it, it was at the drop of a hat, I'd go out and eat. I was spending so much money just going out to eat. Even, even when I was in ministry and working, I would, I would go out to eat a lot. And, and honestly, I'm not going to, i probably go out to eat too much today. But I just, you know, I would just always kind of go out and eat, and I, would, I, I didn't have money around. But as I, as I started being smarter about that, I would have money. As I was smarter about how I handled our apartment, because, you know, we, had a, we would leave lights on all day long. We'd go out, the lights would be on all over the house. We'd let the water run for, you know, I'd be over here washing dishes, and that water would be running. I'd be over here doing something over here, and the water's just running, so I'm just. You know, it, 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 it's not much, but it adds up. And all of these things were happening, and I just kind of stopped doing those types of things. And so it was more about the sacrifices I was making was not sacrificing money. It was sacrificing the way I was spending my money on all this other stuff, sacrificing those things so that I had money to give to the church. And I believe that's what he's talking about, this idea of sacrificial giving it's that in our lives that are, are what are we going to set aside what is what is more important about a dinner out than about supporting a, a church or a missionary or something like that that's actually going to be trying to again again don't hear me say you can't go out at all i'm going out to eat that's just, I, I enjoy going out to eat but how much do i need to go out and balance that with how much do i want to support the church How much do I want to support a missionary? How much do I want to go and send people on missions? How much? In Romans 12, 1, it actually uses the... uh, We know know it says that I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. As a living and holy sacrifice, and this is well-pleasing to God. And so this idea of sacrifice is not just about money... Or sacrificing animals. It's, it's, it's about us. What decisions are we making? What are some things we're going to be doing to sacrifice so that we can be intentional about giving? So that we can be fruitful about our giving. 2 Corinthians. Go back again. 2 Corinthians. Here's, here's Paul. He's in Philippi on the third missionary journey. He's here. Third missionary journey. Somewhere in Macedonia, probably Philippi. And he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says this in verse 3, "For I testify that according to their ability, whose ability? The Philippians' ability, Macedonians' ability, I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability they gave of their own accord." It was something that was so important to them, they decided that even beyond their ability they would give. I don't know what that means, but that's more that's more than what I do honestly, beyond my ability. I'm not going to lie, it's more than what I do. But where is that? Where is that line of demarcation? Where, and, and, and one of the ways that I know in my life we have done this, and again, this is early on after college, into seminary, even as Shannon and I got married and all that kind of stuff, There, you know, just like a lot of couples, man, it's not like you had a lot of money. You come out of seminary and you get your first job in a church, it ain't, believe me, there's not a whole lot of cash flow there a lot of times and so we were, we were living in all that kind of stuff but one of the things we had to learn was early on is that when, when it came early on we were, we, the, the tithe check was important that was like the first thing and listen I believe that's biblical I mean, we, all we got to do is look at Cain and Abel you know you got Cain and Abel they were doing their job Cain was in the fields Abel was tending the flocks a, Cain was bringing an offering But it wasn't that pleasing to the Father. Abel was bringing his first fruits, his firstlings of the lambs. And God regarded that. And so it's this idea of first fruits. What do we do with it? What early on? Do we sit down and start writing checks early on about insurance and electric bill and water bill and car payment and mortgage and all that kind of stuff? Listen, those are important. Don't hear me say that. And I'm not saying today, there's some of you that right now you're going, man, I don't know how we can do. I'm not saying you need to, if you're not giving or whatever, you need to stop everything and start giving to the church. Because honestly, you need to sit down and have a conversation, whether it is with your spouse or with someone else and start making some decisions about how do we live our life? Because I believe that this area of giving is one of the biggest areas that keeps Christians from growing in in their walk with God. This is an area that is huge. And people go, well, what do you mean by that? Listen, reading the Bible. You would say that is a discipline that is necessary, right? Reading the Bible, praying, Bible study, whatever. I mean, all of these things that we do, we try to learn more about and we try to be more Christ-like. But listen, there are other things that we need to add to this to experience the fullness of God. When we are abiding in Christ, how many of you have ever gone into living in someone else's home under your rules? I have. And it ain't pretty. Right? Whether it's my parents or Shannon's parents or whatever, especially in my, ha- my, my mom and dad, they say, hey, listen. It's our house. Our rules. So if I'm abiding in their house, it's under their rules. And if they told me when I was 22 years old or whatever, they said, hey, listen, you're in our house. You still got a curfew. You know, and I got, my friends don't have curfews. Hey, our house, our rules. If I'm abiding in that, I submit to their rules. If we're abiding in Christ, we need to submit to what he wants for us. And that means everything. How do we relate with our wives? How do, we, how do, how do couples are relating to each other? We need to bring that before Christ, not some guru that's going to tell us, Hey, here, write down some things you can do with each other and go do and have fun and whatever. You don't know, no. know. What are some biblical ways of dealing with marriage? Scripture teaches that. We need to, if we're abiding in Christ, we will abide in that. Because how, why is that? If we abide in Christ, we abide in his word. We cannot abide in Christ and not abide in his word. He comes to the end of this, and we see that he's talked. He, he, he's commended the Philippians about their intentional giving, their fruitful giving, their sacrificial giving. There's one thing I don't want us to miss here, and it really has nothing to do about giving because we can kind of pass through Philippians many times and look at these verses, especially when it says, verse 20, Now to our God and Father, glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus the brethren who are, th- who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That one phrase in there, I do not want us to lose sight of. Especially those of Caesar's household. Do not lose sight. of. There's a, there's, listen, there's a whole story here. Before Paul came to Philippi, if you'll remember... Trying to get into Asia, he comes to Philippi. You remember who shows up around uh, around Philippi and and, and into Corinth? Do you remember who shows up in that time frame? Priscilla and Aquila. All right? They start working with him. They start learning from him, and they're teaching Paul as well. They're going through this. Somewhere in here, somewhere in this time, Priscilla and Aquila, they go to Rome. It actually says in Romans, let me look that up, in Romans... At the very end, when he's doing his commentation, when he's greeting everyone, he said, Greet, writing to the Romans, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow servants in Christ Jesus, who for my life risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all of the churches of the Gentiles, also greet the church that is in their home. They're in Rome. They've got a church going already. Paul is writing this letter, not in Romans. He's writing this letter. he, He wrote the church in Rome around the time he was here. All right? So five years later, he's in prison in Rome, and he's saying, as well as the Caesar's household, greet you. The saints in Caesar's household greet you. It wasn't just Paul who was reaching Caesar's household, I'm sure, but it sure was a help to Paul to be in prison to be able to start reaching Caesar's household, Paul was imprisoned, and he still was not as cons- he still was not concerned about him being imprisoned as much as he was about glorifying the Father and taking advantage of the opportunity to develop a, a wonderful prison ministry that stretched out into the household of Caesar. And I can't imagine that in the church in Philippi, if you'll remember, it took Paul in prison here. To see God do a mighty work, and can you imagine when they wrote that and and Caesar's household? The Philippian jailer probably gave a good little chuckle. Wow, Paul is still God is still using Paul at work. Do not forget that that whatever our circumstances are, we don't have to be everything going great and smooth and wonderful for us to be able to be used by God in ways that'll impact. Whole play, whole geographical areas and, and high ranking officials. He's imprisoned. By the time he's imprisoned, actually, Priscilla and Aquila have left Rome because there's trouble. And they were there, they, they, we don't need to go through all that. I'm just saying. Man, do not let that little verse slide by without seeing God at work in the life of Paul while He is in prison and through other people that Paul have worked with in Ephesians, I mean in Ephesus and in Corinth as well as in Rome. Do not miss out on that. No matter the circumstances, no matter what they are, whether it is in great poverty, whether it's a great affliction, whatever that is, Paul is saying, man, we can be intentional about our giving. He said, Make a plan. Make a plan in your giving. We can be fruitful in our giving by by allowing Christ to continually abide in us, by receiving his joy, by making his joy full in us, by abiding in him. And we can budget in our giving and be sacrificial and think through what is it that we can surrender? What are some of our dreams and goals and desires that we can give up in order to support God's work in this place wherever we are friends believe me I'm not trying to, I'm not using this I, I didn't even want to go to the whole giving route in here this is just as I two weeks ago as I started looking at this text man this is what God laid on my heart I actually had three sermons in this text wrote out and this was the one that God said this is the one you need to preach and I don't like preaching these kind of messages but I'm doing it because I believe that's what God wants because there's some of you in here who listen There's some of you who are giving in here. I I have no doubt. But in every church in America, the vast majority of the people in our churches don't. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying in many of our churches across America, there's this number you keep hearing. 20% of the people give 80% of the money. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Whatever it is. There's, There's this general thing out there that's thrown around. All I'm asking you is this. Get on your knees before the Father with your Bible your checkbook and look down there and see what if you and you might not even have a checkbook look at your banking statement (laughs) but just look down there and start saying you know god are there some things here that we can just kind of check off and not do this as much as we usually do because we really want to honor you with our giving and we're not doing that much right now listen this is this is a discipline this is, I'm not going to call it a spiritual discipline, but this is a discipline that I believe God has called all of us to participate in, is to bring our resources. I, I, I hear some pastors, they'll use the term by bringing our talents, our time, and our treasures before the feet of God. That's the challenge that we have in this church. And listen, I... I I can't thank you guys enough for what you have done. Ma'am, Lottie Moon, you guys blew me away. The Lottie Moon offering, you guys blew me away. And when I see that, I look out here and I see, guys, man, that kind of giving to support ministries and things like that, what can happen here and around the world if we think like that, if we give like that? Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for how you have over the years have dragged me from where I was and, my area, and, and the way that I gave and the way that I held on to my finances and the way that I... Just my time and everything, Father. I, I, I wrestled with you over this. And Father, as I have learned to submit... And surrender to you. You have blessed me in so many ways. I can't even fathom. You have helped me to grow. You have brought people into my life. That have been examples of how they have given. Father help me. Be like that. Help me. be able to honor you with my finances as well as my life, as well as how you have gifted me, as well as opportunities that I have during the week to draw the attention of others to you, Father. Help me honor you in that. And I pray the same for us, that your Holy Spirit would bring to light, even right now as we think of things, Father, that you're bringing to our attention. Help us to deal with these things and not just excuse these things. Help us, Father, to abide in you, to abide in your word, to abide in your love, so that we might experience the fullness of your joy in our lives. And out of that abundance of joy, we are able to return to you all that you have given to us, Father. In the way we serve you, and the way we serve others, in Christ's name we pray. Amen.